We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to another one of our Conversations here with Dan. How are you this week? Sup? I'm awake. You're awake? Yeah. I hope so. We're recording in the afternoon. I hope you're awake. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I want to, as always, say thank you to the people who are sending in comments and questions. Uh, and especially if you've taken the time to give us a review or a star on our various podcast spots. We really appreciate that. Trying to build up that audience as it reaches a little bit further and people can access it a little easier. So mm-hmm. so even if you're not specifically listening on a podcast station, you know, you're subscribed to our YouTube. <coughs> if you do podcasts and you could give us a second, give us a review there, we would really appreciate it. So, on to this week's question. Someone sent in, they said, could you talk about demonic possessions and those that believe they drive out demons and other modern day miraculous gifts? That's really a big question. It's a Um, wide one. Yes. First of all, let's talk about demonic possession. Okay. There are a number of accounts both in the Gospels and Acts, of people who were tormented by demons. Mm-hmm. The, the verb that is used in these passages, at least a lot of them, uh, for example, in Mark chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, is the Greek verb daimonizo. And it means to be tormented by a demon or demons. Mm. It does not necessarily, as the English translations sometimes reflect, to be possessed by a demon. When we say possessed, we mean that this is against somebody's will and totally outside of one's control. Hmm. I believe the Bible teaches that we choose whether to serve Satan or God and Hmm. that neither Satan nor God can um, take away our ability to have free will. Okay. And so, number one on this discussion, I personally, and this is my opinion, I do not believe that the Bible teaches what some people think of as demon possession. So like a full takeover of your... Right. I do believe that people were tormented by evil spirits in various degrees, but I believe at some point those people allowed Satan to come into their life And I believe that when people get so deeply involved with Satan, soon it can be very difficult to get out of that Mm. involvement. But uh, is that aspect probably something that's been influenced a lot more by popular culture and things like that? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And yes, Christ was able to drive the demons from people's lives uh, in these cases because he is the ruler of all things. Hmm. in Matthew 12, there's uh, it, it calls Satan Beelzebul the prince of demons. Right. So he's the ruler of the demons. 
just as Christ is the general of the angels that that uh, follow God, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> Christ has authority over all things, including evil spirits who even acknowledged when he came to the um, people that were tormented by demons that he was the son of God. And so I do not believe that free will was ever taken away from people. God is no respecter of persons. Every person has a free will according to scripture. I do believe though that that there were deep uh, maladies that were caused by Satan in the lives of people and that Christ has the power to drive out the demons. In in Ephesians chapter 1, mm-hmm. starting about verse 19, Paul prays that we can understand um, the working of God's power in, in Christians, those that believe. Okay. And he says that's the same power that God used in raising Christ from the dead. And then it says he raised Christ far above all of the rulers and authorities mm-hmm. and dominions and lordships, those words refer to the demon, hmm. the demons, the, the evil spirits. So and it's it, not talking about like over a king over no. this area. Mm-hmm. It's those, those terms in the Greek text refer, they're used all through Paul's writings. They refer to demonic powers. In fact, hmm. uh, Ephesians six twelve uh, makes those clear. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against... The rulers, the authorities, right. the... The ESV puts it, the cosmic powers. Yeah, the world rulers of this darkness, the spiritual hosts mm. of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Yeah. See, that's that's what these words mean. Hmm. So we are definitely fighting against those powers, and Christ is the one that can can free us from those powers. Um, he says in Colossians 1.13 that... We are delivered out of the power of darkness and mm-hmm. translated into the reign of his dear son. Mm-hmm. And so Christ is our deliverer from those things. And and some extreme cases we see in the Bible, Christ delivered people uh, from those, uh, the torment, uh, tormenting of demons. Do I believe that people are still tormented in different ways by demons? Yes, I do. Um I don't see that the Bible teaches that that has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, Would that, because there's kind of two directions that people may go with that, that, that when they would push against you. Number one, they might say something about, well, that was only when Jesus was on earth, but we have examples of the apostles running into it. Right. But then people would say, well, that, that stopped when the time of the apostles stopped. But how do we how do we prove that biblically? That's my question. <laughs> and I think that may be, and we've had discussions before about other miraculous gifts, which is kind of the secondary piece here that I'll try to link. Well, first to. of all, de- but driving out demons is not. I don't know that there's a passage that calls that a spiritual gift anywhere. Hmm. And that would delink it from that sort of argument yeah, that people yeah. would have. Yeah. And so that's one part of the question. Um, I do believe that. Um, the Bible teaches, for example, in 1 Thessalonians 2, is it verse 18 or so, that um, Satan can keep people from getting to people who need encouragement. Paul needed to get mm. to the Thessalon- Thessalonians, and yeah. he said, I've tried time and again, and Satan has hindered me. Does mm-hmm. he really mean that? I think he does. 
You don't um, mean he's just figuratively saying that, oh, the devil's in my way. Mm-mm. And I think that um, there was a gift called discerning of spirits because there were false prophets who spoke by evil spirits and not by the Spirit of Christ. First hmm. John 4, verse 1. Um, there are many other um, things in scriptures. Satan struck Job's physical body. Uh, in Matthew 12, in the in the account of uh, the, what we call the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, there was a, a dumb man that couldn't speak, and the it, the demon caused him to be unable to speak. Right. Um, the um, the girl in Acts 16 was um, had a spirit, an evil spirit of divination, which is condemned in Scripture to foretell the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Paul drove that spirit out of her she could no longer foretell the future so there's evidence of of the spirit world working in people whether it be angels whether it be demons Hmm. um the spirit world is involved now i realize that um some of this drama that we have in the new testament was directly connected with uh Christ showing his authority, the apostles showing their authority, and all that kind of stuff. But to conclude that Satan no longer does these things or torments people, I think, is an unjust conclusion uh, from Scripture. Yeah, because a lot of times when people are going to bring up this conversation, they're talking about it from one side or the other, and often it's associated with a personal experience they have had or a story they've heard from directly from someone else sure. who had that. Sure. So and there's a lot of that personal connection yes. to these sort of experiences. Yes, and paganism is involved with getting in connection with demonic powers and and receiving certain abilities from demons. Not to mention a few would be divination, the foretelling of the future, necromancy, the calling up of the spirits of the dead, mm-hmm. um, other things that that uh, uh, people have done, you know, through what we would call sorcery. Um, but um, that's paganism. That's idolatry. That's strictly forbidden in Scripture. No. Scripture does not take the position that it's not real. It just says don't mess with it. Right. And our modern um, atheistic worldview prevents us from really giving credence to the spiritual world, and so we don't believe in any of it anyway. And yeah. so we I was say, say this, you know, this is where even as a Christian, you know, there's a lot of people who are Christians that walk around going, "Well, I don't really believe in angels or demons, or, you know, or God really doesn't answer prayers." You yeah, know, you, you God know. is God is an intellectual thing that I accept, not it's an active presence and power in the world. Yeah, so. So part one, I think we've got a long way to go before we really get to the bottom of the power of Satan, a mm. roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, not a little neutered pussycat that can't do anything. No. So that's one. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been so many warnings about it. Sure, and, it's, and he, can, he can cause us to lose our soul, but he often causes great suffering in people's lives to cause them to turn away from mm. God. And that's, you know, even Paul was given a thorn in the flesh by a messenger of Satan. Yeah. Some physical ailment that was struck Paul's body, given to him by Satan. God said, I'm not, I'm not going to take it away from you because it's good for you. It'll make you humble. So 
I didn't write all this stuff. I'm just saying biblically, I can't see that that the devil isn't very active in the world and still torments people in many ways. Hmm. But the second part of that, and we don't want to make this go too long, is spiritual gifts. Well, and, and directly related to this one, you kind of touched on it, the gift of being able to cast out demons. But that's never that's never a spiritual in, gift. Yeah. So that's I think that's where the first part of this one this question ends. Now the so to closest say. the closest that comes to that would be when it's talking about confirming the word as the apostles went out and preached in, in Mark sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> in the long ending of Mark uh, you have verse uh, 17, read 17. and It says, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons, and they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. All right, and some of those things are um, spiritual gifts that uh, we have listed. For example, the gift of healing is listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, so it is listed um, among those in the long ending of Mark, and there's the textual question there. But mm-hmm. if if you go to the very end of the Gospel of Mark, mm-hmm. um, it says they confirmed the word with the signs that followed. Yeah. So a lot of these things were used in confirming of the word, and I think where people are coming from there is they infer that if. If these things were used in confirming the word and that purpose is done, then we don't have any of these things anymore. Mm. Okay? But we still have Satan alive and well doing those things. Yeah. And so I just have some open-ended questions about some of this. Uh, I I don't think we have miraculous spiritual gifts that were designed to confirm the word as listed in 1 Corinthians 12 mm-hmm. or um, some other passages. But the interesting thing about spiritual gifts is that in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 and in verse 27 through the end, there's a number of spiritual gifts listed some would we call miraculous, some we would call not miraculous, but they're all kind of stirred up there in the same pot. Right. And you have the same phenomenon in Romans 12, 6 through 9, and you have the same phenomenon in Ephesians 4, 7 through 11. Meaning that they're all mixed together? Yes. Yeah. And and they're, you know, there are a couple of spiritual gifts that were said to have been given only by the laying on of the apostles' hands, uh, Acts 19.6, tongues and prophecy were given only by the laying on of the apostles' hands. Hmm. But um, we don't know of any other gifts specifically that were only given by the laying on of uh, the apostles' hands. So Hmm. we know that those that were for the revelation of the word, specifically tongues and prophecy and knowledge, have been done away with. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. Um, and that goes right along with Acts 19 because the same gifts are listed in that passage 
right. as the ones that were given by the laying on of the apostles' hands in yeah. the other passage. Which naturally means that when the apostles were gone, those gifts were gone. Yeah. But I think a lot of people make the leap, which is not a necessary inference in my view, that since those gifts were done away, therefore all gifts yeah. were done away So it's with. not that when the apostles died and that laying on of hands was no longer available, that suddenly spiritual power like got shut up in a corner somewhere. Right. And, and it's not that, you see, I think there's an implication that there are some gifts that were given specifically for the confirming of God's word hmm. that we don't have anymore. Hebrews 2, uh, 3 and 4 uh, a great salvation which was at first uh, spoken to us by the Lord Jesus afterward was confirmed unto us by those that heard him. That would be the apostles. God also bearing witness with them by signs, wonders, yeah. manifold gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. So I think we can imply that those gifts that were used specifically for the confirming of the word, and that was their only purpose, that we don't have those anymore. Yeah. But God doesn't give us a specified list of what those are. Got it. So, so, A, we know that we don't have tongues, miraculous knowledge, and prophecy anymore, 1 Corinthians 13. B, those were two of those gifts were those that were given by the laying on of hands, Acts 19.6. Mm-hmm. Uh, C, we know that some gifts were given strictly for the confirmation of the word, and we think that that purpose is done with, and we don't have those gifts anymore. Hmm. But we don't have a definitive list of which ones those were. So maybe it's safer to trust that they're out there? I think it's safer to trust that we have the gifts that we need. Hmm. And that if we don't need them anymore, we don't have them anymore. Now that's biblical teaching right there. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13... Mm-hmm. His explanation for how people received gifts was in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether mm-hmm. Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all made to drink from the one spirit. Right. So that was the access that Christians are given to spiritual gifts in the context of Paul's discussion, 1 Corinthians 12. He did not go on to say that, he didn't explain in that passage that. There are some particular gifts that are only given by the laying on of hands. Hmm. Uh, But he seems to imply that people get gifts this way, mainly. Yeah. And um, so I I think that there's a lot more room for study in this area. Uh, Do I believe in, in people doing miracles today? No, I don't. Not, not as like the gifts of healings and things like that that I think were given for the confirmation of the of the word. But I cannot give you biblically a definitive list of which gifts we have and which gifts are done away with. Hmm. So it's a it's a tricky line to walk it sounds like. It is a tricky line and you want to be biblical. And I want to be biblical. And I and I always come to the point where I go, well I want to trust Again, kind of going back to the beginning, that God's power is active. Yes. Therefore, I don't always want to be definitive in saying that these things are not possible, other than the things that we pointed out in the Scripture that say... Well, God that. can do anything, yeah. and does. And um, But through man... I, I think that we have seen that 
that God chooses not to do some of these things through man because the purpose of confirming the word has been done away with. Mm. But, you know, does one of the things that's a bit troubling to me is in Ephesians 4, 7, for example, to each one is this grace given according to the measure of gift of Christ. It doesn't take mm. to say to some people, it says to each one. Yeah. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, you have that same phrase, to each one. Right. So Paul's theology in 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians is that every Christian is given spiritual gifts of some kind. Through that connection to God's Spirit. Through baptism, yeah. through the connection to God's Spirit. And that that gift that each Christian have is is parallel to the function of a finger or a toe or an eye or an ear as mm. members of the body. It's necessary somehow to make For the, the whole function thing work. of the body. Right. Okay. And so that very analogy, it's in all three of those passages, shows that the idea of gifts, period, was not a temporary thing. It was something that was for mm. all time. It's just that we don't need all of the same gifts we had then, and we probably need other gifts that we didn't need back then hmm uh, there therein is another open-ended what does that mean well it really is because for example if you go back to exodus 35 and 36 okay there was um the holy spirit gave the gift of craftsmanship to the people that worked on the tabernacle oh i see and so is it possible even though that one isn't listed in in uh, the New Testament text, is is it possible that there could be some situations in ministry today that mm. people would need that? Like when I look at certain people that have written brilliant songs through the ages, were they given some sort of poetic gift to convey God's message? Maybe so. You know, I, I'm not sure that that's not the right idea. Uh, could there be people that have gifts in other areas that God can use in ministry? In all three of those passages, especially in the Paul's writings, mm -hmm. the purpose of gifts is for ministry, for the carrying out of the ministries of the right. church. Um, that purpose is not limited in any fashion hmm. in those places. It's just that I think that when you boil it all down, God gives his people what they need at a particular time to accomplish what he's given them to accomplish. That's okay. the generalized teaching. Which seems to fit with most things biblically. God gives things in the yep. appropriate times. and Okay. Now, so um, let's summarize here. So some yeah. people are having a conniption out there probably. <laughs> we'll get a lot of comments on this one probably. Dan knows that for sure from, from 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, that three of the spiritual gifts have been done away with. Those were directly used in Revelation. Dan's pretty sure, based on Hebrews 2 and Mark 16, that there were several miraculous gifts used in the confirmation of God's Word hmm. that we also no longer have today. Okay. But Dan is also really sure from the teaching of Paul that we still have spiritual gifts today that are given by God to each Christian, that they're used in ministry and you can call them whatever you want to, but God is working in people through those gifts to accomplish His will. Okay. So part one of the question, demon possession, 
may not mean exactly what we think it means, right. but it's another aspect of that spiritual activeness. But the there was part of that reading people of that that was used in the confirmation of the word. Yeah. yeah. And then so then part two, we have the things you just went through. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how to wrap all of that in a well, pile necessarily. You know, I wish you know, it's sort of like when you put a tarp over your pickup and you've got a bunch of stuff in the back, you know. Okay. Like some of you people from Oklahoma do out there, you know. We don't have enough rain to need a tarp and, and, very often. And but. What, what if there's what if there's like one corner of that tarp that's just not really tied down and it's just flopping out there? You might well, lose something. Yeah, you could. And a lot of people want us to nail everything down completely by Scripture. Mm-hmm. Sometimes God leaves a corner or two up, and he says, I can tell you this and this and this, and I haven't given you all the answers to that. And that ambiguity is like a corner that's not exactly nailed down, that and we it, don't have all the biblical answers to. And there's some people out there that are going, that's fine, I'm good with that. And there's some people that are going, but that's what I want to figure out, Dan. Right, right. <laughs> that's well, why I asked the question. can't tell you more than the Bible tells you. Now, one last thing, and I know we got to cut this off. Uh, the right approach, I believe, to studying this subject is not to just mix it all together in one pot. I believe that the correct approach, especially if we're looking at the New Testament, first study the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament all the way through, Mm -hmm. then study the Holy Spirit and what John in John's writings says about it, just John. Mm. Write down what John is really trying to say about it. Then study Luke-Acts and look at Luke's theology of the Holy Spirit. What's Luke really trying to say? Look at that as a whole. Then study Paul. All of Paul's letters and what's Paul trying to say. And only after you've done that, mm-hmm. now we're ready to mash it together and see if we can come up with a doctrine. I don't think people are used to doing that, and I think we're taking a lot of passages out of their context and make them mean things they don't mean. Mm. Because anyway, they're trying to mash up what John's message was about the Spirit and, and Paul's. And, and different then, biblical writers use their terminology differently, and so that's not always a good idea. Mm. So I think it comes back to our hermeneutics in studying these things. And so um, we probably need more on this. I would appreciate anybody to follow up this discussion with some questions and say, but I'd like more explanation on this or that or the other. And then we can follow up with some specifics. Very true. And like I said, I think we've covered a little bit about miraculous gifts in the past. Yeah. So I'll do my best to find those. And isn't it funny how miraculous and gifts always seem to be connected in our heads where they're not necessarily I, yeah, at all in I know. Scripture. But people are like, if it's a gift, it's miraculous. Mm. So, <laughs> Well, that, that might be a good discussion for next time. Maybe so. We'll see. This has been a good long one. There's a lot to chew on. And then, like we said, if there's any follow-up comments or questions, send them on in and we'll do what we can with it along the way. But thanks again, Dan. And hopefully those open corners don't bother you all too much. Have a good week. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.